Chapter 15 of Hypatia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chris Curran. Hypatia by Charles Kingsley. Chapter 15. Nephelo Cocugia. Hypatia had always avoided carefully discussing with Philemon any of those points on which she differed from his former faith. She was content to let the divine light of philosophy penetrate by its own power and educe its own conclusions. But one day, at the very time at which this history reopens, she was tempted to speak more openly to her pupil than she had yet done. Her father had introduced him a few days before to a new work of hers on mathematics and the delighted and adoring look with which the boy welcomed her as he met her in the museum gardens pardonably tempted her curiosity to inquire what miracles her own wisdom might have already worked she stopped in her walk and motioned her father to begin a conversation with philemon well asked the old man with an encouraging smile and how does our pupil like this new you mean my conic sections father it is hardly fair to expect an unbiased answer in my presence why so said philemon why should i not tell you as well as all the world the fresh and wonderful field of thought which they have opened to me in a few short hours what then asked hypatia smiling as if she knew what the answer would be in what does my commentary differ from the original text of apollonius on which i have so faithfully based it oh as much as a living body differs from a dead one instead of mere dry disquisitions on the properties of lines and curves i found a mine of poetry and theology every dull mathematical formula seemed transfigured as if by a miracle into the symbol of some deep and noble principle of the unseen world and do you think that he of Persia did not see as much, or that we can pretend to surpass, in death of insight, the sages of the elder world? Be sure that they, like the poets, meant only spiritual things, even when they seemed to talk only of physical ones, and concealed heaven under an earthly garb, only to hide it from the eyes of the profane, while we, in these degenerate days must interpret and display each detail to the dull ears of men do you think my young friend asked theon that mathematics be valuable to the philosopher otherwise than as vehicles of spiritual truth are we to study members merely that we may be able to keep accounts or as pythagoras did in order to deduce from their laws the ideas by which the universe man divinity itself consists that seems to me certainly to be the noble purpose or conic sections that we know better how to construct machinery or rather to devise from them syllables of the relations of deity to its famous emanations you use your dialect like socrates himself my father said hypatia if i do it is only for a temporary purpose i should be sorry to accustom philemon to suppose that the essence of philosophy was to be found in those minute investigations of words and analysis of notions which seem to constitute plato's chief power in the eyes of those who like the christian sophist augustine worship his letter while they neglect his spirit not seeing that those dialogues which they fancy the shrine itself are but vestibules 
say rather veils father veils indeed which were intended to battle the rude gaze of the carnal-minded but still vestibules though which the enlightened soul might be led up to the inner sanctuary to the hesperid gardens and golden fruit of the timaus and the oracles and for myself where but those two books left i care not whether every other writing in the world perish to-morrow footnote this astounding speech is usually attributed to proclus hypatia's great successor and a footnote you must accept homer father yes for the herd but of what use would he be to them without some spiritual commentary he would tell them as little perhaps as the circle tells to the carpenter who draws one with his compasses and what is the meaning of the circle asked philemon it may have infinite meanings like every other natural phenomenon and deeper meanings in proportion to the exaltation of the soul which beholds it but consider it is not as the one perfect figure the very symbol of the totality of the spiritual world which like it is invisible except at its, its circumference where it is limited by the dead gross phenomena of sensuous matter and even as the circle takes its origin from one center itself unseen a point as euclid defines it whereof neither parts nor magnitude can be predicated does not the world of spirits revolve round one abysmal being unseen and undefinable in itself as i have so often preached nothing for it is conceivable only by the negation of all properties even of those of reason virtue force and yet like the centre of the circle the cause of all other existences i see said philemon for the moment certainly the said abysmal deity struck him as a somewhat chill and barren notion but that might be caused only by the dullness of his own spiritual perception at all events if it was a logical conclusion it must be right let that be enough for the present hereafter you may be i fancy that i know you well enough to prophesy that you will be able to recognize in the equilateral triangle inscribed within the circle and touching it only with its angles the three supercentral principles of existence which are contained in deity as it manifests itself in the physical universe coinciding with its utmost limits and yet like it dependent on that unseen central one which done dare name ah said poor philemon brushing scarlet at the sense of his own dullness i am indeed not worthy to have such wisdom wasted upon my imperfect apprehension but if i may dare ask does not apollonius regard the circle like all other curves as not depending primarily on its own center for its existence but as generated by the section of any cone by a plane at right angles to its axis but must we not draw or at least conceive a circle in order to produce that cone and is not the axis of that cone determined by the center of that circle philemon stood rebuked do not be ashamed you have only unwittingly laid open another and perhaps a as deep a symbol can you guess what it is philemon puzzled in vain does it not show you this that as every conceivable right section of the cone discloses the circle so in all which is fair and symmetric you will discover deity if you but analyze it in a right and symmetric direction beautiful said philemon while the old man added 
and does it not show us to how the one perfect and original philosophy may be discovered in all great writers if we have but that scientific knowledge in which will enable us to extract it true my father but just now i wish philemon by such thoughts as i have suggested to rise to that higher and more spiritual insight into nature which reveals her to us and instinct throughout all fair and noble forms of her at least with deity itself to make him feel that it is not enough to say with the christians that god has made the world if we make that very assertion an excuse for believing that his presence has been ever since withdrawn from him christians i think would hardly say that said philemon not in words but in fact they regard deity as the maker of a dead machine which once made will move of itself thenceforth and repudiate as heretics every philosophic thinker whether gnostic or platonist who unsatisfied with so dead barren and sordid a conception of the glorious all wishes to honor the deity by acknowledging his universal presence and to believe honestly the assertion of their own scriptures that he lives and moves and as his being in the universe philemon gently suggested that the passage in question was worded somewhat differently in the scripture true but if the one be true its converse will be true also if the universe lies and moves and as its being in him must he not necessarily pervade all things why forgive my dullness and explain because if he did not pervade all things those things which he did not pervade would be as it were interstices in his being and in so far without him true but still they would be within his circumference well argued but they would not live in him but in themselves to live in him they must be pervaded by his life do you think it possible do you think it even reverent to affirm that there can be anything within the infinite glory of deity which has the power of excluding from the space which it occupies that very being from which it draws its worth and which must have originally pervaded that thing in order to bestow on it its organization and its life does he retire after creating from the spaces which he occupied during creation reduced to the base necessity of making room for his own universe and endure the suffering for the analogy of all material nature tells us that it is suffering of a foreign body like a thorn within the flesh subsiding within his own substance rather believe that his wisdom and splendor like a subtle and piercing fire insinuates itself eternally with restless force through every organized atom and that were it withdrawn but for an instant from the petal of the meanest flower gross matter and the dead chaos from which it was formed would be all which would remain of its loveliness yes she went on after the method of her school who preferred like most decaying ones herringues to the dialectic and synthesis to induction look at yon lotus flower rising like aphrodite from the wave in which it has slept throughout the night and saluting with bending swan neck that sun which it will follow lovingly around the sky is there no more than brute matter pipes and fibres colour and shape and the meaningless life and death which men call vegetation those old egyptian priests knew better who could see in a number and the form of those ivory petals and golden stamina 
in that mysterious daily birth out of the wave in that nightly baptism from which it rises each morning reborn to a new life the signs of some divine area some mysterious law common to the flower itself to the white-robed priestess who held it in temple rites and to the goddess to whom they both were consecrated the flower of isis ah well nature has had sad symbols as well as her fair ones and in proportion as a misguided nation has forgotten the worship of her to whom they owed their greatness for novel and barbaric superstitions so has her sacred flower grown rarer and more rare till now fit emblem of the worship over which it used to shed its perfume it is only to be found in gardens such as these a curiosity to the vulgar and to such as me a lingering monument of wisdom and of glory passed away philemon it may be seen was far advanced by this time for he bore the allusions to isis without the slightest shudder nay he dared even to offer consolation to the beautiful mourner the philosopher he said will hardly lament the cross of a mere outward idolatry for if as you seem to think there were a root of spiritual truth in the symbolism of nature that cannot die and thus the lotus flower must still remain its meaning as long as its species exists on earth idolatry answered she with a smile my pupil must not repeat to me that worn-out christian calumny into whatsoever low superstitions the pious vulgar may have fallen it is the christians now and not the heathens who are idolaters they who ascribe miraculous power to dead men's bones who make temples of charnel houses and bow before the images of the meanest of mankind have surely no right to accuse of idolatry the greek or the egyptian who embodies in a form of symbolic beauty ideas beyond the reach of words idolatry do i worship the pharaohs when i gaze at it as i do for hours with loving awe as the token to me of all-conquering might of hellas do i worship the roll on which homer's words are written when i welcome with delight and celestial truths which it unfolds to me and even prize and love the material book for the sake of the message which it brings do you fancy any but the vulgar worship in the image itself or dream that it can help or hear them does the lover mistake his mistress's picture for the living speaking reality we worship the idea of which this image is a symbol will you blame us because we use that symbol to represent the idea of our own affections and emotions instead of leaving it a barren notion a vague imagination of our own intellect then asked philemon with a faltering voice yet unable to strain its curiosity then you do reverence the heathen gods why hypatia should have felt this question a sore one puzzled philemon but she evidently did feel it as such for she answered hotly enough if sinel had asked me that question i should have disdained to answer to you i will tell that before i can answer your question you must learn that those whom you call heathen gods are the vulgar or rather those who find it their interest to calumniate the vulgar for the sake of confounding philosophers with them may fancy them mere human beings subject like man to the sufferings of pain and love to the limitations of personality we on the other hand have been taught by the primeval philosophers of greece by the priests of the ancient egypt and the sages of babylon to recognize in them the universal powers of nature those children of the all-quickening spirit 
which are but various emanations of the one primeval unity, say rather various places of that unity, as it has been variously conceived according to the differences of climate and race, by the wise of different nations, and thus in our eyes, he who reverences the many worships by that very act, with the highest and fullest adoration, the one of whose perfection they are the partial and antitypes, perfect each in themselves, but each the image of only one of its perfection. Why then, said Philemon, much relieved by this explanation, do you dislike Christianity? May it not be one of the many methods? Because, she answered, interrupting him impatiently, because it denies itself to be one of those many methods, and stakes its existence on the denial, because it arrogates to itself the exclusive revelation of the divine, and cannot see in itself conceit that its own doctrines disproved that assumption by their similarity to those of all creeds. There is not a dogma of the Gallians which may not be found under some form or other in some of those very religions from which it pretends to disdain borrowing. Except, said Theon, its exaltation of all which is human and low-born, illiterate and leveling. Except that, but look, here comes some one whom I cannot, do not choose to meet. Turn this way, quick. And Hypatia, turning pale as death, drew her father with unphilosophic haste down a sidewalk. Yes, she went on herself. As soon as she had recovered her equanimity, were this galleon superstition content to take its place humbly among the other religious licitas of the empire, one might tolerate it well enough as an anthropomorphic adumbration of divine things fitted for the base and toiling herd, perhaps peculiarly fitted, because peculiarly flattering to them. But now there is Miriam again, said Philemon, right before us, asked Hypatia severely. You know her, then? How is that? She lodges at Eudamia's house, as I do, answered Philemon frankly. Not that I ever interchange, or wish to interchange, a word with so base a creature. Do not, I charge you, said Hypatia, almost imploringly. But there was now no way of avoiding her, and preforce Hypatia and her tormentress met face to face. One word, one moment, beautiful lady, began the old woman, with a slavish obeisance. Nay, do not push by so cruelly. I have. See what I have for you? And she held out, with a mysterious air, the rainbow of Solomon. Ah, I knew you would stop a moment. Not for the ring's sake, of course, nor even for the sake of one who once offered it to you. Ah, and where is he now? Dead of love, perhaps, at least. Here is his last token to the fairest one, the cruel one. Well, perhaps she is right, to be an empress, an empress, far finer than anything the poor Jew could have offered. But still, an empress need not be above hearing her subject's petition. All this was uttered rapidly, and in a wheeling undertone, with the continual snaky withering of her whole body, except her eye, which seemed in the intense fixity of its glare, to act as a fulcrum for all her limbs, and from that eye, as long as it kept its mysterious hold, there was no escaping. What do you mean? What have I to do with this ring? asked Hypatia, half frightened. He who owned it once offered it to you now. You recollect a little black agate, a paltry thing. If you have not thrown it away, 
as you most likely have, be wishes to redeem it, with this opal, a gem, surely more fit for such a hand as that. Ye gave me the agate, and I shall keep it. But this opal, worth, oh, worth ten thousand gold pieces, in exchange for that paltry broken ring, not worth one. I am not a dealer like you, and have not yet learned to value things by their money price. If that agate had been worth money, I would have never accepted it. Take the ring. Take it, my darling, whispered Theon impatiently. It will pay all our debts. Ah, that it will. Pay them all, answered the old woman, who seemed to have mysteriously overheard him. What? My father, would you to counsel me to be so mercenary? My good woman, she went on, turning to Miriam, I cannot expect you to understand the reason of my refusal. You and I have a different standard of worth. For the sake of the talisman, engraven on that agate, it for no reason I cannot give up. Ah, for the sake of the talisman, that is wise now. What is noble, like a philosopher? Oh, I will not say a word more. Let the beautiful prophetess keep the agate, and take the opal, too, for see, there is a charm on it also, the name by which Solomon compelled the demons to do his bidding. Look, what might you not do now, if you knew how to use that, to have great glorious angels, with six wings each, bowing at your feet, whensoever you called them, and saying, Here I am, mistress, send me. Only look at it. Hypatia took the tempting bait and exclaimed it with more curiosity than she would have wished to confess while the old woman went on but the wise lady knows how to use the black agate of course aben ezra told her that did he not hypatia blushed somewhat she was ashamed to confess that aben ezra had not revealed the secret to her probably not believing that there was any and that the talisman has been to her only a curious plaything of which she'd like to believe one day that it might possibly have some occult virtue, and the next day to laugh at the notion as unphilosophical and barbaric. So she answered, rather severely, that her secrets were her own property. Ah, then, she knows it all, the fortunate lady, and the talisman has told her whether Heraclean has lost or won Rome by this time, and whether she is to be the mother of a new dynasty of Ptolemius, or die a virgin, which the four angels ever, and surely he has had the great demon come to her already, when she rubbed the flat side, has she not? Go, foolish woman, I am not like you, the dupe of childish superstitions. Childish superstitions, ha, 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 said the old woman, as she turned to go, with abeyances more lonely than ever, and she has not seen the angels yet. Ah, well, perhaps some day, when she wants to know how to use the talisman, the beautiful lady will condescend to let the poor old Jewess show her the way. And Miriam disappeared down the alley, and plunged into the thickest shrubberies, while the three dreamers went on their way. Little thought Hypatia that the moment the old woman had found herself alone, she had dashed herself down on the turf, rolling and biting at the leaves like an infuriated wild beast. I will have it yet, I will have it if I tear out her heart with it. End of chapter 15